few decades ago, there was a, a novelty Christmas song <coughs> which had the haunting refrain, all I want for Christmas is two front teeth. Now then, I want you to share 30 seconds with your neighbour how you would complete that phrase. All I want for Christmas is... Go, 30 seconds. Oh, reindeer. Reindeer. <laughs> good health, please. Oh, yes. We need you to have good health. At least for another group. <laughs> well, that's right. Oh, well, Ethan's singing that song. Oh, bless you. As you might imagine, um, in the cheap seat, Richard Hammond is singing all I want for Christmas is a nice cup of tea. Um, and these cheap seats, all I want for Christmas is a bit of peace and quiet. Because in the posh seats, they're a bit more demanding. I distinctly heard somebody say, all I want for Christmas is a signed first edition of Anton Dex's Guy in Quantum Mechanics. Meanwhile, on the screen, is a photograph that was taken 113 years ago yesterday. It showed the first powered flight in human history. And I'm sure that many of you will know that that plane was built by two American brothers, Orville and Wilbur Wright. Now, one of the first things that they did after the plane landed was to rush a telegraph to their sister in Dayton, Ohio. And the, the telegram read, first sustained flight today, 59 seconds. Hope to be home for Christmas. Now on receiving the news, the sister was so excited that she rushed down to the local newspaper office and gave the telegram to the editor. So the very next morning, the local newspaper in Dayton led its front page with this world-exclusive blockbuster headline. <laughs> Home for Christmas. I wonder if you, like we, are expecting family home for Christmas. If you are, it'll be an expensive time. Christmas is an expensive time for all of us, at a time of economic difficulty for many people. There's so much to buy, isn't there? There's all the presents, and there's lots of food, and don't forget the drink, and there's the cards to send, and we must have a tree, and that needs lights, and there's decorations, of course. Still, we can always pay for it with plastic. But will the credit card cover the costs? Or will it break under the strain? But I mustn't go on. Because, you know, I'm doing exactly what that newspaper <coughs> did. I'm missing the point. Yes, there is a cost to Christmas. But the real cost isn't to me or to you. 
we associate the Christmas story with joy and celebration. And we don't often consider the cost of what lies behind that story. The darker side of Christmas is there, even in that brief Isaiah passage, the prophecy of Jesus' birth, issued hundreds of years before the event itself. The context in which that prophecy was given has got nothing to do with joy and celebration, even though it was a word of assurance that God would send a Messiah, a Saviour. You see, the prophecy was given to Ahaz, king of Judah, at a time when Jerusalem was being threatened by the armies of two powerful neighbouring kings. And even in Matthew's telling of the Christmas story, the message of the cost of Christmas is very clear, if we have eyes to see it. We see, for instance, the cost to Mary of being Jesus' mother. First of all, it could have cost her her future husband. Verse 18 of our reading tells us Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph. Before they came together sexually, she was found to be with child through the Holy Spirit. Now we don't need to have much imagination to appreciate Joseph's dilemma when he discovered that Mary was pregnant and he knew for certain that the child could not be his. In an age and a culture where childbirth outside marriage was a cause of disgrace, it's no surprise that in verse 19 we read, because Joseph was a righteous man, and did not want to expose Mary to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her. That means to break off their engagements quietly. But more than costing Mary her husband, being the mother of Jesus could have cost her her life. It was the custom of that time that if a girl engaged in sex before marriage, she was to be burned or stoned to death. The reason Joseph planned to break his marriage commitment to Mary privately was to try to avoid Mary being put to death. But in a small, close-knit community like Nazareth, there was no guarantee that this course of action would save her once the pregnancy became known. But even if her life was spared, the third cost to Mary was the high probability was that no other man would contemplate marrying her. And then fourthly, she might well have been shunned by her own family. And in such a situation, the only job available to her might well have been as a prostitute. Oh yes, for Mary, there was a great cost that first Christmas. But it didn't end there. What do you think it cost Mary 
to see her son ridiculed by people who called themselves her friends. It was the people of his own village, Nazareth, who first rejected him. In Luke chapter 4, verse 29, we read that when Jesus tried to explain to them who he was, they drove him out of town and took him to the brow of the hill on which the town was built in order to throw him down the hill. And what do you think it cost Mary to witness his own family's reaction to Jesus? In Mark chapter 3, verse 31, we read that when they heard about the early stages of Jesus' ministry, they went to take charge of him, for they said, he's out of his mind. And what do you think it cost Mary to watch him whipped, beaten, and nailed to a cross? And then wait, watching him struggle, that he was too weak to keep himself from suffocating. <clears throat> Do you imagine she thought back to when she held him as a baby? Or to when she watched him learn to walk and talk? <coughs> or to the times when she'd watched him play as a child? Oh yes, there was a cost to Mary at Christmas. But what about Joseph? How must it have felt to learn that the girl that he was to marry was expecting a child that wasn't his? What must it have been like to have to postpone his honeymoon for nine months? In verse 24 of our passage we read that after learning in a dream the nature of Mary's child, he took Mary home as his wife, but he had no union with her until she gave birth to a son. But as was the case with Mary, the cost for Joseph didn't end after Christmas. In verse 13 of Matthew chapter 2 we read, An angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, he said. Take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you. For Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. What did it cost Joseph to give up his business and his family and move for years to a country where he knew no one? And how do you think it felt to be told that your family was in mortal danger and it was your responsibility to ensure their safety. Oh yes, there was a cost to Joseph at Christmas, just as there was to Mary. But what about Jesus himself? How must it have felt to become aware that you were not like the other kids. What would it have been like to become aware of the nature of your mission? And how must it have felt to become aware of the death to which that mission was leading you? Luke chapter 22, verse 44, gives us 
one clue. As Jesus prayed on the night before he was put to death, we read that his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. Must it have been like for Jesus to be accused of something he didn't do and not to be able to say one word to defend yourself? How did it feel to be mocked, hit in the face, and the flesh went from your back? What must it have been like to have spikes driven through your wrist joints and feet and then have the whole weight of your body hanging from those spikes. And how did it feel to carry the punishment of every sin in the world all at one time? Yes, there was a cost to Jesus at Christmas, just as there was to Mary and Joseph. What about God? What must it have been like to witness all these events, see them unfold, and know that he had the power to stop them? Such cost, but was it worth it? Well, the voice of Christians down the centuries resounds, of course it was worth it. For at the heart of the Christmas story, is the message about Jesus which came to Joseph in a dream. Matthew chapter 1 verse 23. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, this is no message of Christmas card sentimentality. It's a message for every individual who cries. For every person whose heart is broken. <coughs> for every individual's search for meaning. For every person's longing for true love. For every searching heart. It's a message that we are not alone. God is with us. God is not like the royal family. He cannot be touched. But rather, he reaches out to us in the form of a child. A child who grew up to reach out to rich and to poor, to saint and to sinner alike. One who said, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened and I will give you rest. And it did end with his death on the cross. <coughs> the message of Easter tells us of his resurrection. And the last words Jesus spoke to his friends as recorded by Matthew were, I am with you always to the end of the age. I commented at the beginning that we tend to focus on the benefits of Christmas. And there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. But it's utterly appropriate that this Christmas service is a service of Holy Communion. 
because Holy Communion places the story of the baby Jesus in the context of his whole life and ministry. So let's use this time together to reflect that at Christmas, God set in motion his plan of salvation for mankind. And that was the most costly thing he ever did. And as we prepare to share in the act of Holy Communion, let's pause in the middle of the frantic activity of Christmas <coughs> to consider how much it cost to make our salvation possible. And let's give thanks to God.